Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On a failed mining colony far from Earth, the military state sends a special research team into the dark, lawless sector beyond the wall, known as the Fringe. Nothing could prepare the team for what they are about to experience. Citizens, we entreat you to experience the free, fully-voiced audio drama Liberty Critical Research. Discover the savagery and horror at nerdyshow.com slash liberty, iTunes, and Stitcher. And remember, may the Archon watch over you. The following program is presented by The Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds and otaku across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wicked Anime Podcast. This is episode 123. That is 123. I am your stupid awesome analyst, John Starr. And with me is our King Baby Duck, Evan, of the Boston Bastard Brigade. And Wicked Anime. And Wicked Anime. I know you like to say that sometimes, too, but I figured I'd beat you to the punch. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so, it's just the two of us today. Andrew is off on his journey uh, to... Uh, the Land of the Rising Sun, which he texted me and a bunch of other cohorts last night about him arriving in Hong Kong. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a 16-hour flight from Boston, which uh, we dropped him off last night. And then uh, he was 16 hours on a plane to Hong Kong, where he spent the next six hours because his layover... It was originally five hours, but he made it to Hong Kong. The flight was was arriving early, and it left early. Oh, wow. Which was awesome. He watched a total of five movies on the airplane, and he he didn't know whether or not he slept. So (laughs) um, he, he honestly doesn't know how much sleep he got, if any at all. So he would watch a movie, play a little Monster Hunter, watch a movie, play a little Monster Hunter. And so it was just, it was a wild time. And I don't know what he did while he was waiting in Hong Kong, but he said that the airport there was just like home. Didn't, wasn't very different, but it was the, the feeling of being in another country completely was just a really wild, overwhelming feeling. Uh, and then he left that airport and he is now in Taipei, Taiwan, where he is going to be spending the next six weeks for film, his film orientation. So that's the update on Andrew. Nothing super exciting quite yet on his end, but he has met with the film team that he's going to be working with, and they're probably, well, as of this recording right now, he's sleeping probably because it is (laughs) 4.15 in the morning over there. 
So, do you know if he found his China girl while in Hong Kong? <laughs> he did not report any uh, wedding proposals or anything of that sort. So I would say no. Boo. Boo. <laughs> so we've had uh, plenty of storms hitting us in the U.S. recently, but also during it's been tsunami season in uh, in Japan. Our biggest. Uh, otaku waifu brethren grape coon uh, <laughs> yep. who lost his significant other waifu during tsunami season they took the cardboard yeah they took the cardboard cutout of hululu away out of his pen during the season and uh, why didn't they just put it back in the cage with him like why like you know how they put the animals inside like why didn't they just bring the cutout in with him so he wouldn't be lonely. You know, I really don't know. I couldn't I couldn't answer that for you, Evan. Uh, uh but I mean, the good news is is that she's back now. Hulu is back now and Grape Coon could not be more smitten. And uh, all the animals are fine. All the animals in the zoo are completely fine, including Hulu herself. And all is right with the world. So Yes. Hold strong, Grape Coon. There, you're going to have those moments in life where you're going to be separated from your significant other and things aren't going to be looking to go your way. But I promise you, Grape Coon, that your wife will always be there for you. Isn't that marriage in general? Yeah. That was my first story. I don't know. What do we want to do? Do we just want to go over to the article that you read? Yeah, let's do the idol thing because like you, like before we even started recording, we never really brought up the whole idol scene in Japan and how kind of corrupt it really is. Yeah, at least I don't think we have. It's very possible that we may have done this before. Uh, like I've talked about it on No Borders and Race a couple times. It's part of the reason why I don't play idol music on my show or I rarely do unless it's like an anime theme or something. But rarely do I find myself playing stuff from like AKB48 or Morning Musume. I think the two artists that would be deemed idol-ish that are close enough that I spin on a regular occasion are Baby Metal and Perfume. Yeah. Um, I mean, are, are they even really technically idols? I suppose they are, right? They are, but I feel like Perfume and Baby Metal have been made like exceptions to these specific rules that the idol industry like to put onto its performers and singers. Yeah. And yeah, there there's this really, really harsh stigma that I really don't like, which is, I, I believe the article was majorly about this, especially the fact that your image is something super important as an idol. Therefore, even like your love life is affected by it. Yes, there is the love ban, as they call it. Yeah, which is ridiculous because you have to... You know, for fame and fortune, you have to restrict your own personal life to, in order to have your fans themselves be a part of this fantasy that they could one day possibly get with you. So therefore, you cannot date anybody if you are an idol. Which like, is bullshit, man. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I don't even, I couldn't even comprehend that sort of thing. You know, like I think because- it's like one of the worst. It's kind of, it's like slavery to one's personal life or slavery from actually being a normal human being outside of the spotlight. It's because, you know, 
fans don't see you as that normal human being, I suppose. But then they again, see you it, as like a symbol of purity. That's and that's what the article says. Is that it's this article that was posted on Anime Now, and I found it through Anime News Network because they do a bit of a partnership through there. They were basically touching on like how idols and the fans that see the idols and the fans see them as like their child or something like that. And the idol grows up with the fans or the fans grow up with the idols. And it's this really weird stigma that only happens. Well, it doesn't only happen in Japan. There's some aspects of it, too, in South Korea. And I hear there's some things over there that are actually worse than it is in Japan. In South Korea, really? Yeah. The K-pop scene is just as um, bad. And the fans are more psychotic over there in South Korea. Well, like, they there, love their K-pop there are, music. The K-pop scene over there, um, one of, a few of my friends, a couple, one of which you met, my friend um, Fatima, mm-hmm. uh, who is really big into the K-pop scene, and not with BTS, which is like one of the big bands over there in South Korea, but one of the other big ones over there, there was um, there was a, a one of the boy band members over there that would barely get any sleep because constantly he'd be getting sent like fan mail and that was sent directly from the fan to from the fan to the door and death threats are sent to him and all this really weird creepy shit would be occurring that the fans would do to this person and I'm like you're supposed to like their music and you're treating them like shit. What well, the fuck? What happened? I mean, like, we had it over here in, you know, the United States when somebody killed John Lennon and, you know, and, uh, well. Right. Was, that was in the United States, was it? Was it? Did he get killed? Yeah, in that was, City? yeah, New York. Yeah, he was uh, gunned out in New York City. Yeah, okay, I thought it, it was New York City. Was, and then, um, like, Jodie Foster had, you know, somebody after her back in the late. Right, so they shot Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And, but, like, you never saw this happen with, like, I, I can't believe I'm going to be, like, naming these off. You never saw this happen with New Kids on the Block or the Spice Girls or the Backstreet Boys or Insane. It's true, though, right? I mean, we, it's almost the opposite for us in America. Could, could you imagine what Taylor Swift's career would be like if she didn't have a boyfriend at some point? Like, she would have... She'd no have career. no music. Yeah. She wouldn't even be able to sing or write anything because of Same it. with Adele. Like, Adele, all of Adele's songs are breakup songs. Yeah. So, I mean, well, that that gets into why I have a problem with the American pop industry to begin with anyways, because they can't write anything original and it's all corporate BS. But, exactly. Uh, but even... Well, the mainstream was- music. If you listen to a lot of indie bands like I do, you'll find a lot more originality there. Well, of course you will, because it's not coming off of a manufacturer line. Uh, yeah. Like, that's... That's my take on the... Well, it's been going on for decades. Um, I saw that documentary about Iggy and the Stooges called Gimme Danger, and Iggy Pop was talking about how the whole Summer of Love concept that happened in 68, the make love, not war sort of thing, was all fabricated by men in business suits to sell CDs and records and clothing. It wasn't like a grassroots movement. It was made up by business people. That's really interesting, actually. I didn't know that. It has nothing to do with Japan, but I love learning about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so was I didn't get to read the whole thing because I was reading it on my phone, and my phone can't handle articles from other websites. Was there anything else that I was talking about, or was it specifically on the love ban? Um, a few things. There was, well, 
the episode. Well, this article was based on the for on an episode of that show, Eighteen If, which is one of those shows where it's weird, but there were some good elements to it. And this episode uh, followed this character who was affected by a witch, and she's a pop idol, and she's actually played by. Eminita, who played Honoka in Love Live. Mm-hmm. And in real life, um, Eminita was part of this scandal, which thankfully turned out not to be true. That just some bullshit that occurred, where this, this magazine, the Weekly Asai Gaino, reported that Nita appeared in a porno in the past. Mm-hmm. And which turned out to be completely false. Like, they, they did uh, comparisons between her picture and the picture of the porn star. And it's like, that's not the same person. But yet, because that, e- even though she turned out to be innocent, it turned out it wasn't true. Like, her live streams were indefinitely postponed. Security was increased at her events. And she even stopped posting on her Twitter account. Yeah. Like, even when, you're, when, it's, when the rumors are fake, you're still not safe. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, it's it goes, I mean, I think that was taken majorly in part with uh, uh, Satoshi Kon's film. Um, Perfect Blue. Per- Perfect Blue was about that, that exact thing, which, by the way, I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but that is an amazing film that everybody should see. Absolutely. Or you can see the live-action version known as um, uh, Black Swan. <laughs> yeah. No, Darren Aronofsky denied all claims of that, so... It's not true. Although, if you have you seen the uh, poster for his new movie, Mother? Yeah. It looks exactly like the poster from End of Evangelion. <laughs> really? Yep, I, face I and everything. I have seen that poster. I've seen the one of uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and it's kind of like a painting of some sort. <laughs> yeah, Darren Aronofsky really likes his anime, but he hates to admit it. He should just do an adaptation. Come on. What? That's a good question. Like, I know this is going very off topic, but what anime would Darren Aronofsky be great at doing? Um, what about Elfin? I think he could do Elfin Lead. He probably could. He's he's. I mean, everything that he does is that super dark, that that super dark sort of filmography and that depressing kind of old boy style. That you know, he could probably even pull off Akira too. They've been he looking, could. They've been looking to do the live action version of that. You know, he could. They could pull him in there. But as much as I've liked his films, I've never really liked Darren Aronofsky as a person. <laughs> uh, it happens. I think. It, I think it, it's partially in fact that he can't admit that. You know, I mean, like it, it was all really weird that he bought the rights to Perfect Blue so that he could do his film, uh, or he could he could mimic that scene from. Uh, Requiem for a Dream? In Requiem for a Dream. And then he ended up making Black Swan, which is almost exactly the same thing, but he won't admit that even though he holds the license to Perfect Blue, that he didn't remake Perfect Blue. I mean, come on, dude. I know. I know. It's almost the same thing as as uh, What's-Her-Face, who wrote The Hunger Games, thought said that hers was a completely original idea and she didn't take it from Battle Royale, or even The Lottery, which came out in the 1970s. So, yep. <laughs> like, it's it's all the same thing. And it's like, I know, artists, listen, I understand. You want to be original. But just face the facts. You're never going to be original. There's no such thing as an original idea anymore. That's just no, how there, it is. What, what you got to do is you got to just adapt anime and present it to people who don't watch anime. And they're going to be like, oh, this is original. Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I have a few ideas that would be great for live action versions that I can't believe no one's ever thought of yet. But that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, I actually have a video that I might I, goes perfectly along with this discussion that we're having right now. Uh, if you've all heard of the YouTuber called Nerdwriter, um, Nerdwriter One is his channel. Uh, he has this fantastic video that he just came out with, uh, an, a- an analysis of Ghost in the Shell and how not to make an adaption of a film. Uh, it's, it goes in perfectly, like, the thought process of how an American director directs uh, a sequel and creating the cyberpunk world that is created for the world of Ghost in the Shell, comparing it to the film and also part of the... Um, first season of the show which is what the movie is majorly based off of and how the the tonal differences from the film to the anime they have like just about the same storyline but the filmography changes the story itself completely very interesting piece a lot of the thing uh, the big complaint that i have and you know if i if they had just done a straight up one-to-one remake of Ghost in the Shell as a live action, the movie, that would have been that would have been fine. I would have been okay with that. And when they announced that The Laughing Man was going to be part of this film, I was at first excited, but then I realized, wait, there is a lot that goes into the character of The Laughing Man. Yeah. There, There's a reason why it takes like 17 or 18 episodes to explain who The Laughing Man is, what he does, why he does it, what's his philosophy, and what he plans to do in the future. Exactly. You can't fit that into a two-hour film. Yeah. No, and I agree with you. Uh, that And that's that's part of the problem right off the bat. But then um, it, it's, it's, it's just a really interesting video how even something like Color Scheme goes, goes into what makes the Ghost in the Shell American remake so mm-hmm. different from the original. So, like, I'm going to post that video because I, I really enjoy it, and I think that you would really enjoy it, too. Um, because they're now that they're working on a live-action Naruto, uh, Lionsgate is going to be doing that. Um, but as a film series. Yeah. And Naruto is another one of those that, feel, that I feel like would do much better as live-action television, not a movie, because you're not going to be able to explain so much of what goes on into the world of Naruto in a movie. Like, one movie of Naruto would have to be, like, the first four or five episodes of the TV series, which is, like, one... like, one one one-hundredth of the actual TV show. And I think that's the issue that we have here with... uh with these live action adaptions too, like even if we talk about death note, you know, that we talked about a couple episodes ago where what I, I think that people would be more on board if they created films that were one-to-one to their adaption at first. And then maybe we could start going into the, the realm of changing it up a little bit. If you want people to get on board with the idea of making anime adaptions to film and making them good, then maybe you should actually take from the source material and maybe it's going to be a little wacky and maybe it's going to be a little off-putting in some places. But just look at what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy when that came out. That was a wacky, crazy film with a talking raccoon and a character that only said, I am Groot. And it had... It was one of my favorite Marvel movies ever made. Yeah, it was this hodgepodge 
of really crazy things that people were like, you're going to walk into this film and say, what the hell am I even going to be seeing here? But they don't care because they're going to be having a good time. So if you take anime, you don't want to make sense of it. You want to give the fans what they want when they're seeing it, you know? And then maybe we could talk about changing it once you understand the art of creating an anime. That's just me. I, it could come. Well, this, this is why I'm, like, I'm excited that they're doing Cowboy Bebop and One Piece as TV shows because those types of programs would be far better as like weekly serial shows rather than trying to fit the entire universe of One Piece, which is up to what, 800 episodes yep. into a two hour movie. And they still haven't found the fucking One Piece yet, by the way. <laughs> well, of course they wouldn't because then somebody would be the Pirate King and then the series would be over. So, yeah, they have to they have to miss that one piece. Right? Listen, the the world is a big place, and there's only it so is. many pirates that can play hide and seek with a piece of gold. So, granted, one piece is going to end, and the uh, and the author knows that it's going to end. Let's and just hope he doesn't it doesn't end because the author, the author died from like exhaustion. Yeah, right. The only person who knows how one piece ends is his editor. So his editor could technically take over if he wanted to. But last time we checked in, which was sometime last year, he said that the uh, story was about 70% over. Which if you cut down, cut that down into fractions, 70% of 800, maybe 700 at the time that we had recorded it. Is, yes. You know. 300 more episodes. Yeah, pretty much. So... That's what at least six more, more years. Cha- yeah, six hundred more chapters of uh, anime, so or uh, of manga. Wow, jeez. Until the inevitable spinoff two piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we really went off topic. We started talking about Japanese idols and it went right into American adaptations. Yeah, you're right. That's okay. That's that good. is okay. But <laughs> what are your what are your final thoughts on the whole idol thing? Then I disagree with idol life completely. Uh, <laughs> agree. No, no, I agree. I agree. To because put a nice like, bow on this whole conversation that we just had for the last ten minutes, uh, idols. I disagree with the way that they are treated, and I think that they should be able to live normal lives. And if that's a problem for the fans, then maybe there needs to be a change in focus for marketing idols. You know, there's because I mean the the people or the fans could just go sod off. Well, that's what I mean. If if the fans go go sought off, then we're going to miss out on an entire culture. You know, the idol culture is going to go away, which means that the music industry over there is going to tank in some places. Not all places, right. in some places. Like, because this is kind of like one of the things that, that is my goal in my life. And, and I feel like I might have brought this up to you, Jonathan, one time. Uh-huh. Is that my goal is to actually have, like, a sort of talent agency in Japan that helps to promote music. Not just, like, idols, but, like, all music in general. And I want to have it so that there is no love band. That they don't have to worry about their personal life being controlled. That the only thing that we care about is that they're okay and that the music that they're popping out is good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even if the music isn't good, so long as they're okay, I'm fine with that. I don't want to wake up one morning and find out that an artist that I was represented was found murdered by one of her stalkers or something like that because that stuff is just really fucked up. Yeah, and I mean, but honestly, it could happen anywhere. It really could. 
it depends on, I mean, it all depends on the culture that you create. And I think Japan has this very obsessive culture when it comes to their idols. And the fact that fans are so protective that if they hear something that irks them or is wrong, then they get bombarded with this harassment that's very off-putting as a culture itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, otaku originally had this negative connotation to it in, to begin with, and I think that's the kind of stereotype that the word otaku originally had its connotation to was the kind of people who would do that sort of thing. But now it just kind of is like nerd, you know? Yeah. So they got to come up with a new word. How about psycho? Oh, hey, that, that would be a really good one, except that is something completely different in Japanese. Well, what? That, <laughs> no, right. That is the best over there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, that's, well, that's what the idol fans say when the idols hit the stage. Maybe, maybe that they're actually saying the English word psycho and they're not saying psycho, psycho, psycho. Yeah, that's what the I, So when the fans in the audience say psycho, then the idols on the stage are saying psychos. So <laughs> there's there's some wordplay going on in here. The, the fans think they're going, yeah, we are the best. Woo! But no, you're psychos. Yeah, you're nut jobs. Please <laughs> <laughs> get a girlfriend or seek therapy. <laughs> we just made like the biggest blanket statement of them all right there, Evan. Just <laughs> get a girlfriend or seek therapy. If you're holding a glow stick... You're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know not all fans are like this, but there are a few bad apples in the bunch that we just need to toss into the trash. I think that the worst part of it is the corporate end of it. I mean, they're, exactly. They're, they're the ones the- perpetuating it in the first place by not letting idols have girlfriends for this very specific reason, which makes me think that it is public information that they're not allowed to have girlfriends. Therefore, somebody out there is like, oh, they're not allowed to have girlfriends except for me. So. Please respect the performers. Let them have a life of their own and just promote their music because their music is good. Mm -hmm. Don't promote the, like, the sanctity of the idol and the purity of the idol. Just promote the goddamn music. You know, uh, Christine and I were talking about this originally, uh, uh, very recently, and we were actually talking about uh, Lady Gaga and how she was able to move ahead from where she was into, you know, she got away from the corporate side of music and she started doing her own thing. Now, I'm not necessarily a fan of Lady Gaga's music to begin with, but I absolutely respect her as an artist for the fact that she has gotten onto her own label and everything of that sort. And on top of that, all the philanthropy work that she does, too. Well, yeah, of course. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I just have uh, respect for the career choices that she has made personally to, you know, get her into the right place. And, you know, she set herself right. So that, yeah. that was actually a really good example of where how I think that even the idol uh, culture could move to. You know, they have the option if they're famous enough and they want to go their own way. If somebody's telling idols that they'll never be famous if they don't have that corporate side to them, I think they're wrong. I think that... I agree that they are wrong. And I feel like that maybe some of these idols should step up and start up their own, like, like their own label and their own talent agency and have them be their own representation because they sell themselves perfectly. 
They don't need some like dude in a business suit to tell them where to go and how to do it. Yep. They know how to do it. Yeah, right. But I wonder if they if they perpetuate that uh, lack of confidence, you know, which would be a completely different problem all on its own. <laughs> or the Yakuza. I mean, yeah, kind of. I've heard stories like about the Yakuza. It's it, that's also not pretty, too. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Yeah, it's it's not like the video game Yakuza where there is some honor and dignity and such. There, there's some really bad shit. Except they give out really large bags of candy on Halloween to children. That is true. Maybe that's the one good thing the Yakuza <laughs> does. King size candy bars. All right. <laughs> now I want a full back tattoo. Would you sit through a twelve hour tattoo session? It depend. It honestly depends on what I w- would get out of it. Like, what I about the uh, front cover of Five Iron Frenzy's latest album? Um, that would be cool. Yeah, but I would. I've always pictured that if I was ever going to get a tattoo, which I am interested in, I would just get like a shoulder blade piece, uh, and maybe two shoulder blade pieces. I would probably get Earthworm Jim on one side, and I would get the Five Iron Frenzy hash marks on the other side. And that's okay. about as far. That's about as far as I would go with tattoos. Um, I would probably do a, maybe like, like a shoulder or arm tattoo of one of the bands that got me into the Japanese music scene. Well, maybe I would do two. One, one of course of the pillows, Buster Coon logo of the weird, like bear dog creature that Buster Coon is. And then another one of the, uh, the skull strawberry for the Japanese band, Sushi Mami Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that was just like a, the biggest hodgepodges of of tangents that I think we've ever done on this show. Wow! Uh, and it was just the two of us. Yeah, which is fine. But uh, what else? I mean, do we move on to what we're watching now? I, I think that we have we have a good amount of of time put into our news section. So if we want to move on to what we're watching, so we can talk about some of those things. Uh, you saw some trailers. We saw yes. some American stuff. So. Yeah, so the big news, they finally unveiled a trailer for the upcoming new season of Cardcaptor Sakura, the clear card arc. And man, I know it's just 30 seconds long, but it captures the original anime so beautifully and perfectly. Like, the character designs look exactly how they looked in the early 2000s, and it's what Cardcaptor Sakura should look like for a 2018 anime. Yeah. I, I know. I actually thought that they really held the essence of the original show very well, but it looks so modern and updated, and the animation was very nice. Yeah, because everybody is back. Like, they got the original voice cast back, and which is amazing, because the person who voices Sakura, and I, and I apologize for not knowing her name off the top of my head, she sounds exactly how she did 20 years ago. Compared to when you listen to the voice actress for Sailor Moon... <laughs> comparing her for 20 years in the past. And she kind of sounds weaker in the voice yeah, compared to when she was 20 years ago. But Sakura sounds exactly the same, especially when she does that famous release kind of chant that she does to um, to unleash the uh, the cloud key. Yeah. Um, see, I was never really a card capture Sakura fan uh, back in the day. I, I mean, I, I hit anime late in life. So right. it was it, it was hard for... You know, me to catch up on shows like Cardcaptor Sakura when they were on TV at the time. And I had seen it, but I never watched it. So, well, 
Cardcaptor Sakura, or rather, you know, it's American um, version Cardcaptors, was the second anime I watched and binged through right after Pokemon. Really? And I honestly, it, and I know that it was butchered. The thing is, in Canada, all 70 episodes of the original show were aired uncut, uncensored, all dubbed in English. But when they brought it to America, they cut that 70 down to 38. And they cut out so much important stuff that, that focused on the character development and just why these characters are doing what they're doing. And they basically pulled a Sailor Moon Crystal before Sailor Moon Crystal even happened. Right. And I'm, I'm still watching... I've been re-watching the anime series... Um, to prepare myself for a clear or for the clear card arc, and I will honestly say that, like, if someone were to like put a gun to my head and demand that I tell them what I think the greatest anime of all time was, I would probably say Cardcaptor Sakura because it perfected the whole magical girl label and subgenre, and it's one of those shows that just really still stands the test of time, like. And I know I brought this up the last time I was, we talked about Cardcaptor Sakura, where and the, the show originally aired in 1998, and at the exact same time when Madhouse was doing Cardcaptor Sakura, they were also doing Trigun. And if you compare Trigun to Cardcaptor Sakura, the difference in animation quality is day and night. Like, there are parts of Trigun that look like absolute crap, to be blunt. But then you look at Cardcaptor Sakura, and because they were working hard to bring Clamp's original vision to life, there's just a beauty in every frame that is being shown in there. And when they remastered it, it still looked just as beautiful as it did 20 years ago. Right. And just recently, um, actually yesterday, because we were going back and forth while Andrew was... Um, on the flight, I had finally, and I had never even seen it yet. I'd saw, I, I'd watched the Cardcaptor Sakura movie, where Sakura and the gang all go to Hong Kong, and that's kind of why I sent it because you know, Andrew was in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yes, and what was great about the movie was it wasn't just one of those extended episode kind of feel sort of movies. They put a lot of thought into the storyline and the reasons behind the villain and the cloud and how the uh, the original creator of the cloud cards affected this villain in the past. And it wasn't just like a throwaway story. They they it just was a great movie. And if you if you got Crunchyroll, you could watch it on there, either subtitled or dubbed. And if you originally watched it dubbed like I did back in the day, it's all the dub actors from the nineteen ninety nine Card Captors adaptation that did the voices for it. Hmm. So I'm excited about this new Card Captor Sakura, as you can probably already tell. Yeah. And and I know I brought this up too, but back in 2000, Kids WB had a contest where you had to go onto their website and you had to find all the cloud cards. And every time you found a cloud card was another like um, ballot to put yourself in for a drawing. And I won second place in this drawing. And with that second place win, I had, which was initially Mary, my very first anime plushie of Kiro. What? That's awesome. Yep. 
So, yeah. like Jonathan's been in my room. When you look up, you'll see Kiro looking down on you. And that is the very first anime plushie I ever owned. Mm. And, you know, that's a big reason why Cardcaptor Sakura has played, like, a I wouldn't say a big reason why, but Cardcaptor Sucker has played a big, important role in my life as an anime fan and an anime journalist. I uh, wonder what the first plushie was that Ezra Koen, uh ever owned. I'm going to say uh, Pikun. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Ezra Koen is the creator and writer of this new uh, Netflix series, Neo Yokio. And he's uh, also the frontman for Vampire Weekend. Which he's also, are, the, yeah, also for Vampire Weekend. Which is an awesome band. They were like the last band to like come out of like the whole MySpace music boom. And they're one of those bands that just got better and better as the albums progressed. Mm. As of this recording from today, I just started watching Neo Yokio today, so I've only seen the first two episodes. Okay. Um, but when I first originally looked at the reviews for Neo Yokio, IMDb had Neo Yokio set at a 5.8. It has since recently gone up to a 5.9 mm-hmm. in the last hour that I've started watching it. Um, so, uh, if that doesn't tell you what the masses think of Neo Yokio, uh, 5.9 on IMDb, which is like an okay score. Like usually a movie is a masterpiece on IMDb if it's around like an eight. Yeah. Um, so 5.6 is pretty average for a film where it's people are usually like, eh, that's all right. And uh, uh, Evan, what did you think of Neo Yokio? So... First, actually, first, before you say anything, could you uh, provide us with the uh, Into the West sound that you were going to use? Oh, all right. So, all right, here we go. Can't let it, can't let it go. <laughs> I have two coconuts that I had uh, procured from the opening week of Monty Python's Spamalot on Broadway. So I saw the Tim Curry, David Hyde Pierce, Hank Azaria version. Oh my I saw God. it with the original cast. That sounds like an incredible cast. The best cast, like yeah, no kidding. You like have still one of the great, cast. still probably the greatest musical experience I've ever had in my life. You couldn't have gotten a better cast if you gotten John Cleese and Eric Idle to be there yourselves. Well, John Cleese did the voice of God. Did he? That's funny. yeah. So, if you've never seen Spamalot, go see it. So, before I even watched Neo Yokio, I had read a few reviews, and um, let me put it to you bluntly: the reviews weren't great. <laughs> No. Anime News Network gave it an F, which was the first F I had ever seen Anime <laughs> News Network give, probably since Dragon Ball Evolution came out in 2009. There, um, yeah, so, I mean, Anime News Network has some haters on it, and they have some really critical people, but I love those critical people. I really Me too. Do. Yeah. Me too. Normally, and normally, I would be like, wow, it's that bad? And I initially got scared to watch the show, but... Uh, I did the I, opposite I, for me. I got psyched to watch this show. <laughs> I love... And for anybody who doesn't know me by now, I love bad media. I love it. Okay. Well, you know, I was I was still going to watch it, but I was like, it's not going to be that good. Even though it has, like, Jude Law and Jason Schwartzman and Stephen Fry's in there and Susan Sarandon. You have a great cast of people on this show. So, I sat down and I watched the first episode thinking, maybe I will just survive the first episode. And then two hours went by, and I realized I watched all six episodes. And my question for the people over at Anime's News Network is, 
Has anybody ever watched a Wes Anderson movie? Because <laughs> that's how this anime is. It feels like it's a Wes Anderson production, and I fucking love it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I will level with you on that here, and I'm gonna start off my view of it uh, by saying that yes, everybody should watch Neo Yokio. However, I'm taking it that everybody should be watching Neo Yokio for all the wrong reasons. Okay, um, from a from an execution standpoint, it's a very entertaining show. For a technical standpoint, it gets an F. A te- technically, this show is a disaster. The um, the animation is so piss poor. Um, the well, that's it, studio it, deemed for you. Yeah, uh, but production IG, dude. Like, I, I'm shocked that production IG would ever think about using um, moving moving card stills. Like, they took one picture of... of uh, What's his face? Keen. Or, or Kiza. Kez. Kaz. Kaz. Thank you. Like, one frame of Kaz, and they just move him up and down like he's moving, like a Monty Python uh, <laughs> paper cutout going across the screen in some places when they can get away with it. Well, there's like, a part of me that thinks that there are some nods and throwbacks to, like, British humor, especially when you hear... The very first thing you hear in Neo Yokio is the old Tim's television, like, jingle. They do, 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 do. Like, yeah. whatever you watched the Betty Hill show, that was the first thing you heard. Yeah, but... And, and like, what was up with them liking Trobolones? Like, <laughs> like I normally hate product placements, but let me tell you, as someone who has worked retail for years, I have never we we sold Trobolones. I've never seen anyone buy a Trobolone, <laughs> never once. Right. But so like, I, 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 I found it funny. funny. I, I found it funny that he's carrying this big fucking Trobolone around, and it just it just felt. Kind of meta. Like, I feel like the show does a great job with, like, making fun of the concepts of popularity, celebrity, fashion, and just all... A lot of the things that are mainstream that are bad in mainstream worlds. Yes, and they do do that successfully. If you can get past terrible animation, terrible voice acting, uh, terrible writing, for uh, and just... You know, o- overall, a very confusing atmosphere as to what kind of show they're trying to create. I want to start with uh, the voice acting, uh, first and foremost. Jude Law and Susan Sarandon are the two A-listers that I've seen so far in the show. I know Steve Buscemi's in there eventually, but... Yeah, he's in Five and Six, and Jason Schwartzman is uh, Kaz's rival. Yeah, okay. Um, so Jude Law and Susan Sarandon do excellent in this show. I love Charles, Jude Law's character. Yeah. The robot. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Butler, uh, he is fantastic. And Jude Law delivers the lines that he was given flawlessly. And I want Jude Law to do more voice acting because you want him to do more anime uh yeah more anime more voice acting uh i loved charles in this yes let's talk about the polar opposite end of the spectrum with jaden smith you I, see i didn't think he did too bad of a job i feel uh, like uh, I like know. okay I, I feel i i know jaden smith isn't the best actor in the world i know i know that just because your dad is will smith doesn't mean that you're also gonna be as awesome as will smith is yeah, but it, but like I don't think it's I don't think he did a piss poor job. I felt like the delivery was very on par with, and I, I'm sorry if I'm going to keep on repeating myself, but it felt like something that you would see in like a film like The Grand Budapest Hotel and Moonrise Kingdom or the Royal Ten- the Royal Tenenbaums is like the the essence that I compare this move this anime series with. Like, it feels like it could have been a spinoff of one of the characters from that movie. And I understand that, but the, the, the thing that makes a Wes Anderson film so successful is his dialogue. And his dialogue is so, like, accurate, and the way that, that he makes his dialogue awkward to make it a funny joke um, is, is something that takes a great amount of accuracy in writing to do, and delivery by the actors, too, mind you. It's not just the writer themselves. Um, so the, and, and it also goes along with the emotion as well that you, that you put into it, and the emotion is not there in the animation especially. If you watch the opening scene where we are introduced to Kaz's character... And they're talking about the field hockey game, and he's all depressed about uh, the fact that he just broke up with his girlfriend and everything like that. Yep. There is zero expression on his face to show that he's sad in the likeness whatsoever. Um which all the, the only uh, which kind of feels like uh, well there are a lot of per- like the character of Rushmore Jason Schwartz uh, oddly enough Jason Schwartzman when you first see him in that movie Rushmore he has zero emotion whatsoever either so again it felt more like something from Wes Anderson uh, but there but there's a difference though because a human face is always emoting always even if they are trying to make a deadpan face you can get away with it because a deadpan face is an emotion. Um, it makes you look either depressed or it makes you look uncaring, anything of that sort. This was what what they drew uh, for Kaz's character was a static, unemotive face that had no life in it whatsoever. The eyes weren't even like partially closed he was making perfect eye contact with the characters his mouth was just a regular mouth shape uh this is getting really really technical this is my animator side coming out right right. exactly so i can Uh, understand where your complaints are coming from yeah 
It's just that when Jaden Smith delivered a line, they did not animate it properly to to bring back the emotion that he was trying to sell. And that breaks you out of the character, which then suddenly, if you have clunky dialogue to go along with it, it becomes more apparent because now you're watching this uh, almost, almost as if you are using a ventriloquist doll moving its mouth. You can't make its eyes move or anything like that. It's just all you do is move a ventriloquist doll mouth. Um, if well, you some have, of Jeff Dunham's stuff has moving eyes. But Jeff Dunham also has the ability to put emotion into his characters, and that's what makes him a successful comedian, is that you can give life to those characters, um, but if you don't give enough life to clunky dialogue like you're seeing in this, then you just get this really awkward line delivery. And the the line delivery in this, the, some of the things that the characters say is so awkward and uncomfortable that it turned it into that comedy that I think that they were trying to make in the first place. So I was laughing at it for the wrong reasons. Okay. Honestly. Well, um, at least at least it was entertaining for you. It was. Uh, now, here's here's the the kicker to this whole thing. Yeah. Neo Yokio is actually extremely entertaining to me, and I am planning on watching the rest of it. Absolutely outright. It um, is. I, I I really hope that they do a second season of it. Like I won't mind if they they go back and do it. I know Ezra is finishing up with the Vampire Weekend album. Jaden I think is finishing up with a movie, and they're hoping that after all that is done, they're going to meet up and discuss what they could do for the second season. Get acting lessons. <laughs> um, but I, I yeah from if, if anybody out there can see animation at a technical standpoint you will see the flaws of Neo Yokio and I I think overall I understand the image that they were trying to go for this show but I think that they needed more experience behind the voices and also the animation team in order to make it successful as to what it was trying to be. Uh, now, that doesn't excuse the writing as well, because the lines that were written were just super clunky, and, like, sometimes you would hear somebody deliver a line, and it wouldn't be something that a normal human being would say in a certain situation. Which, um, you know, again, Wes Anderson movies do that all the time. The same with Charlie Kaufman films, too. But the the difference between a Wes Anderson film is that they have the emotion to go behind it. When they deliver a line, they make a character move in a certain way. Like, um, like, like if we're talking about grand Budapest hotel and the scene where, uh, the main lobby, uh, men, the police come in and was like, we've, the police come in and they're like, we found a woman and she's been murdered. And uh, then the lobby guy is like, so the woman's been murdered, and you think I did it. And then he just turns and runs away after, like, a short pause. That is how you deliver a clunky line. You deliver a clunky line with a a clunky follow-up that is meant to be on purpose. But you need to deliver it in a live action setting that allows you 24 to 30 frames per second in order to give and show that full emotion. If we're doing what 
Neo Yokio did, which they had a very low animation budget that only allowed them, I don't know, maybe five or six frames per second, then you miss out on some of the opportunity to move your animation smoother into a way to deliver perfect timing on a joke because the timing is already off because it's so low budget. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I apologize if I'm getting way too technical for No, 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 dude. It. I, I know a lot of you listeners just like to tune in because you have that background in animation, so you know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But as I don't have that experience... I have to be a bit of an outsider from that perspective. And yes, I know the animation isn't great in Neo Yokio, but it's at least better than Studio Dean's other show, The Reflection, which is absolute crap to watch. Did you, is that another one that you watched? Oh, it's uh, one I'm watching. It's the one that they did with Stan Lee. Oh, with Stan Lee. That's it's right. Like, I, it's yeah. his other superhero show, which, by the way, rips off so much from My Hero Academia. Which, you know, to be fair, pays homage a lot to the Marvel DC universe. So it's like a ripoff of a ripoff of a ripoff. But yeah, it's like if you watch a reflection, like be like very disappointed by the animation. Like I know that they were trying to get that American comic feel of it. But my God, everything looks like it was made with Microsoft Paint. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (sighs) I feel I, like it would be harder to make a show in MS Paint. Uh, <laughs> at least it's not as bad as that. Can, can they be? Can't they just make the characters as expressive as they did with the Kanosuba ones, please? Yeah, right, exactly. And I think that that's where Studio Dean has poured all their money into. Somehow, I don't know, like how that they've decided. It's like, oh man, Kanosuba should be the one that we pour all of our time and effort into because but it's they, the best written out of all of them. To be honest with you, well, that's true. Uh, but, you know, who's to say that, you know, it, it wouldn't have flopped? You know, they took a, they must have taken a really big risk on Kenosuba. And I'm glad they did because it's going to make them a lot of money. And it's gonna, Right. But, they had a second season, which was better than the first. They had the two OVAs. They have a video game out. They have a shit ton of merchandise. And they're already working on the next one, which may either be another season or it could be a movie. Yeah, um, which makes me wonder where did all that money go so that they couldn't pump all the money that they made off of Kenosuba to put an extra animation budget into the rest of their shows. I don't know. <laughs> Went into all the booze. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> Kenosuba did it. All right. Yay. Oh, no. We, and we, then there, we, we raked up this much in our bill. Oh, shit. Um, cut half the budget of Reflection and cut a quarter of the budget on uh, Neo Yokio. Yeah. Quit I I like I got to get all these animations out in time. Oh, but I got this hangover from all this Konosuba drinking that I've been doing. So... I've been vomiting rainbows all day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh yeah, watch Neo Yokio. <laughs> Yeah, watch Neo Yokio. I I think that you should, but I... Watch it for his wrong reasons and watch it for my right reasons. Yeah, Uh, because I I am being entertained by it, but I also think that I'm being entertained by it too by going like, Jaden Smith, what are you doing? Come on. I let, uh, what about, no, what about um, Kaz's two best friends, his fellow uh, polo buddies? They're a little weird. Um, They, I, I, I like... Uh, is Lexi the African-American friend? Yes. I really like Lexi. Yeah. Uh, he's really funny, and he's almost like a character straight out of the boondocks. 
Right, which is kind of like what the animation first reminded me of. Yeah, right. When I saw the initial trailer for it, that's what I thought that it was going to try to be. But even still, the Boondocks has a much better animation budget to it. You know, they really put some time and effort into it. Right, not to mention Madhouse helped them in season two with a lot of the battle scenes. Which doesn't surprise me in the least. Yeah. But... Uh, you said you only watched the first two episodes. Let me know when you watch the fourth episode. Okay. Because, yeah. um, uh, not to spoil anything, but Dean does a really huge throwback to one of their past shows in that one. And it's like part of the entire plot of the episode. Yeah. I mean, you might see it as a ripoff, but know that because Dean also animated this show, it's actually a throwback, not a ripoff. Good to know. Good to know. Yes. Okay. Well, we've been talking about all these shows, so and these are all shows that we've already watched. It's time to move on to what we should really be talking about today, which is all the shows that we are going to be watching eventually next season. Yes. which Because uh, the new season of anime will be starting by the time that this episode comes out, or maybe a week after, I forget. But then the week after that, we're going to be able to have actually seen a couple shows, so hopefully we'll be able to tell you how... They are, for example, um, the return of Food Wars. Yeah, is, uh, is coming, and of course we're gonna love it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Even though there have been some changes to season three because the voice actor uh, actress of uh, Arena had to step down for the season to uh, retrain and heal her voice due to sickness. Uh, there's going to be a different voice actress in her place to take that role. But that's okay, because they told us that. It's kind of forgiving, you know? It's not like we're going into this. And there is also... I'm pretty sure they found someone that could voice match with her. Right. And, uh, I I mean, obviously, you know, there's very good reason behind it. And the fact that they told everybody what the reason behind it is, there's, you know, going to be some forgiveness to it. And I think that... uh, I, that this season's going to be great anyways. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I think that that Food Wars is going to put on a great show, because they always do. Well, I know you're excited about that one, but one show that I'm so excited for being uh, on the returning scale, and a show that I thought would never get a second season, but thank you to Doga Koba for doing so, Himoto Amaro-chan. Yeah, and that's kind of a surprise to me, because I thought that that would have for sure have been a one-off. But then again... I mean, it's just been so damn popular. It has been. Like, you go to Anime Boston and it's like, half the cosplay people are just people in their hamster costume. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, it's it's an easy cosplay. It is an easy cosplay, but it's very easy to see why we get a second season, because the show is super funny. And I know you only watched, like, the first two episodes of it, right? Uh, Andrew did. Andrew did, Okay. I have actually never seen any Umaru-chan. Because what I like about anime is that they write lazy characters so wonderfully funny. Like, that's what makes Umaru-chan so great. That's what made Tanaka-kun so hilarious, and Tanaka-kun is always listless. Like, when they came out, when that show came out alongside, like, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto, I thought more originality came from Tanaka-kun attempting to be as lazy as possible was showcased in that show compared to just how perfect Sakamoto was, and that show was just absolute crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. There's actually a lot of uh, sequels coming out this season, too. Like, we're getting um, Love Live Sunshine. Yep, season uh, two. Season two. 
And I still need to see the first season. I'm still waiting for Crunchyroll to put that up since they have the partnership with Funimation. And that's the thing. I was surprised that Funimation got it since NIS America got the first original series and movie. Mm -hmm. So wonder how that's going to work out when it comes to dubbing that show. I don't know. Uh, Speaking of idols, though, too, there's also a new Idol Masters show coming out, which is funny that they're always uh, bumping heads with each other. There's always a new Love Live and Idol Masters coming out. And a new time. Wake Up Girls. And a new Wake Up Girls. I would say I'm actually kind of so, uh, excited about Wake Up Girls because they are probably... Because I know we just talked about all the Idol stuff. And I think I forgot to mention Wake Up Girls. They're the third band that are like the exception to like the Idol Girls. Because I think that they have a lot more control on their lives like Perfume does and Baby Metal does. Compared to all the other Idol agencies and the like. Right. Um... But uh, have, have you seen what this Idol Master is? They've turned it around on us and they've done... done it's all boys! Thing. It's all boys. It's called Side M, which I would imagine M would stand for male. Yeah. Maybe. Um, or man. Whatever. And all the angry otaku out there being, what am I supposed to masturbate to now? Much, right? I mean, like, that's... Oh, I, I hate to think of, of Idol Master being that way, but it's kind of true. I don't know. Yeah. It's something... Ugh. Uh, I know. Oh, well, at least we got that cool mashup of Idol Master and DMX. We could be thankful <laughs> for that. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. Oh, my, yeah. Cats don't know who I'm going to be. Hey, Fuck it. What's up? <laughs> like me. Because I can't say that word. Because I'm white. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, here's, oh, here's a show that's returning that I know I'm not going to be watching. Freaking uh, March comes in like a lion. The anime equivalent of slashing your wrist with a Blu-ray copy of Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> wow. That's a very vivid imagery right there. Yeah. I mean, there are shows that are very subtle with the sadness of a character. But March comes in like a lion is always, I am so sad. So sad. Sad! Sad! Yeah. So. I like, and it pisses me off because I love, the person who created this also created Honey and Clover. And Honey and Clover is one of my all-time favorite anime series. And for her to go from doing something so relatable, like a story of being, of kids in college, to being out of college, to this just wet bag of sad. That's the only way I can describe it. It's It ticked me off, and I had to stop watching it seven episodes in. This yeah. coming from the person who marathoned through all of Aero Manga Sensei. Yeah. And another thing that ticked me off, too, was Shaft did this show, and Shaft usually is awesome. They did Madoka Magica and the Monogatari series and Pony Pony Dash and, like... For him to do this sort of drivel was just... Ugh. Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how about any new properties? Do you see any new properties that you're that you're looking forward to? I One got I am kind of excited about, because as someone that's, that really got into anime, thanks to Ken Akumatsu and Love Hina, I'm very excited about UQ Holder. You call UQ Holder Maho Sensei Negima 2, which takes place almost 100 years after the events of Negima. Okay, so that's cool. Um, so I own Negima, but I've never seen it. So oh, really? 
Yeah. You see, the... Uh, okay, so... Anime version is okay. And so is the manga. But the manga, like, I collected that manga up to about uh, volume 30, I want to say, before I started getting bored with it. Because it really started to drag shit on and on and on. Well, like, I could I, tell that Kanakumatsu wanted to end it, but the the their publisher wasn't letting him do so. Yeah, well, Kanakumatsu kind of did the same thing with Love Hina, too. Thank God that one ended, but it was getting well, pretty tiresome towards the end there. Like, how many times can Naru punch... Uh, you see, I, I liked how Love Hina ended, and I did... There were things oh, in there that was I was kind of hoping that they were going to, like... If they did a second season of that, if they could animate some of the chapters. Like, I know you're not a big fan of some of these these aspects, but um, I love it when... I loved it when Naru and Kitaro try to go to a love hotel and just everything fucks up for them and they are not able to, you know, seal the deal, as they say. Yeah, I was never... I, I've never been a fan of those kinds of... Well, you, you've said, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which does bring me to another show that I am excited about... Um, if you don't mind me saying. Go right ahead. So the Japanese title, of course, is Boku no Kanojo ga Majime Sugura Shoujo Bitch Not Ken. Or as its American title is, is My Girlfriend is a Faithful Virgin Bitch. Okay, so I hadn't heard, I've, I've heard of this show because everybody can't shut up about it. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't, I, I don't know what it was about until very recently uh, where I finally read the synopsis of it. And it sounds kind of funny. But I don't know if it's the kind of show that I would want to watch. Like, like, do you want me like to be the one to watch it first and then to let you know how it was, or because like I did it? Because remember, like I was the one who told you about Sarah, and I was like, okay, I think there was enter- I think it's entertaining. You might not, but give it a whirl, see if it might be something you like. Because the thing that's really drawing me in are there are two things that are really drawing me in besides what the show is about. The fact that Dial Media is doing it, who. This past summer also did Aho Girl, which was hilarious. And the other reason why is because who is playing the main girl, also related to Aho Girl, which is Yuki Aoi, who also like nailed it out of the ballpark this year as the evil Tanya in Saga of Tanya the Evil. Yeah. Like, because they're involved with this show, like that's why I have faith that it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So let's give out the uh, synopsis of the show just so everybody's aware. So this dude in class likes this girl and out on a whim just asks her out. She says yes, uh, but turns out that she's so naive when it comes to dating that uh, everything that she does during a date is inherently extremely sexual in nature, even though she has no idea that it is. Um, because she's so naive when it comes to this sort of thing. So she, it's, this is what weirds me out about it is that it's going to be a lot of like, you know, just a lot of, uh, her, 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 they're in a sexual situation again, you know? And then, uh, you know, comedy ensues, somebody's going to get embarrassed and then they're going to be like, oh, what's going on? And then they're going to, then it's going to go back to normal. And it's like, well, I guess that's how she is, you know? And then, right. and then it's going to happen again in the next episode. But I'm just so, picturing it with, like, Yuki Aoi delivering it in her Tanya the Evil voice. And just hearing how, like, I'm picturing her being, if they chose her, like, it could either go two ways. It could either go the Tanya the Evil route, which, with her being, like, super sadistic. Or it could go the really funny route where she could be like Yoshino in Aho Girl. Yep. 
Like, I can't see it being in the... I can't see her be cutesy like she was in as Madoka and Madoka Magica. I can... Those are, like, the only two routes I see it going. And I am all for either route. Either being really sadistic or being really stupid. See, now, the thing of it is, though, is the character that she's playing looks like one of... If we're going for a Moe type here, she's going for that that deadpan girl, the one that's always has, like, disinterest written on her face with the half-cut eyes and, you know, just the very emotionless and very blasé sort of character. Um, that's what all of the visuals have been saying. I haven't seen a trailer for it or anything to see how the main character acts. I've but... seen, like, the only thing I've seen a trailer for is are just, like, still images being shown. So I haven't seen a trailer that has, has it be all full animation. Yeah, so if I had to guess, we're going to be seeing another side of this voice actress and what she can do, because I don't think that, you know, they're, can we say upbeat characters, like the ones that she's played this past year? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah. Um, but I have high hopes. I think it could be pretty good. One show that, uh, there's, there's three major shows that I have my, that my eye on. Uh, one of which is called uh, Anime Guitarist, which is a anime about a girl who joins the anime research club, even though she doesn't like anime. Uh, she's well, actually, sorry, she's an anime novice. That's what it says. Um, and she joins it on a whim. But the president of the student council is continuously trying to shut it down. Because, like, they don't think that it uh, is going to work. So, let's see. Student Council continues efforts to disband their club, and they ignore the impending end of the world. They talk about an anime, whether in uh, Akiba or in real life's uh, sacred place, anime settings, or the hot springs. So, like, it sounds like it's just going to be kind of like a comedic romp. Of it almost sounds like one of those old Hanna Barbera cartoons where like the student council president is this mustache twirling, you know, <laughs> scheming, uh, scheming. He's conniving. Dick Dastardly. Yeah, kind of a person that's like gonna shut down this club. No way. And then you know they get away with it, and then you know, I'll get you Penelope Pit Stop. You know, sort of deal. Uh, what we? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, Another one that caught my interest uh, was called uh, Robot Masters, the animated series, which is really interesting because Robot Masters, or sorry, Robo Masters, is a real-life competition that uh, high school students um, compete in. They go to a robotics club, and they build a robot, and they go to the Robo Masters competition... Uh, in the real world, and well, now it's BattleBots the anime. I see. Now, wouldn't that be incredible? Yes. Uh, so this is a Robo Masters anime series based off of that real life competition. So that is super appealing to me right off the bat. Uh, very interested in seeing what this show is going to be about. Um, lastly, uh, there's one called Urahara, which. I'll read the synopsis of this one because it sounds like a show that I would have written when I was like 14 years old, which is a good oh, thing. Th- this is a show that uh, Crunchyroll actually helped produce. Yeah. So I'm super psyched about this one because I'm actually going to get to see it. And I know that I'm actually going to get to see it. Three high school girls are putting together a limited time shop called Park 
in Japan's Harajuku. One day, aliens come to the come to Earth with the intent to steal the famed district's culture, and at the same time, a mysterious girl appears. The three girls band together to defeat the alien threat and protect their beloved Harajuku. That you see, sounds, that sounds like a light novel written by a 14-year-old, which yeah. sounds nothing like what the Arrow Manga Sensei cast ever wrote. Yeah, right. So I'm super psyched to hear uh, to see what this show is going to bring because I think that this is just going to be a very light-hearted romp. I mean, like, there's a girl ho- holding a neon green and yellow AK-47 on the front of this, and then there is, like, a giant cartoony alien ship with a giant mouth eating cultural stuff from Harajuku. Like, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. So I'm all about this anime, seeing what it's about. Me too. Other than that, let's see. They have uh, The Magician's Apprentice finally getting a 24-episode series. Yes, The Ancient Magnus's Bride. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Uh, the Ancient Magnus Bride getting a 24-episode series. I only saw the first episode in the three-episode miniseries that was released on Crunchyroll. I know. I'm, I'm actually thinking about watching that sometime later this week, all three episodes. Because I did see the first episode, but I really want to rewatch it again so I can just refresh myself. Yeah, so I'm going to be looking forward to that. Uh, otherwise, nothing else has really caught my eye just yet. Uh, I would really be happy to see what the fans have been looking forward to this season, whether or not it's a uh, full show or a short show of any kind. Actually, let's take a look and see what the short animes are this year. Um, One that really popped up in my... um, And it looks like it's another uh, Creators Impact Tokyo, another like Chinese-Japanese collaboration. It was called Osaki wa Fufu Ninate Kara. And... This slightly sweet, tipsy couple comedy manga centers on the 28-year-old senior public relations company staff member, Chisato Mizusawa. The story follows Chisato's daily life as she enjoys her husband's service cocktails. Chisato has secrets that only her husband knows, so odds are she starts blurting them out to public people. That sounds like it. I actually did notice this one. It sounds like it could be fun. Uh, there are a couple movies coming out. Uh, there's a Fate Stay Night one. There's a free movie coming out. Godzilla Kaiju Wars is coming out, finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also one called DC Superheroes vs. Taka no Sumedan, uh, which I had never heard of before. Um, but it's a movie about Joker going to Japan to steal Eagle Talon Society's secret weapon for continuous schemes of pure chaos. However, the Justice League is on his trail, but there's something off with Batman. Now it's up to Eagle Talon to go find out what's wrong with him, and that means going to back time to see Bruce Wayne's most tra- traumatic experience in the murder of his parents. And Eagle Talon Society Justice League uh, goes stop the Joker before the budget dries up. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and it reduces and, simple stick figures. Yeah, it's going to be better than Batman v Superman. Probably. But it's it sounds really fun in the fact that the animation style is going to be changing throughout the movie. I, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes. If anybody could even get a, get a hold of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, there. And I know these are OVAs too, but they're coming out finally with the Nekopara OVA. And I know that's something more of Andrew's forte since it's all cat girls. But yeah. in his honor, I say we'll we'll mention that one. <laughs> we have a three-part OVA series for um, for Attack on Titan. Really? Which is called uh, The Lost Girls. 
three-part OVA adapting to the Lost Girls spin-off novel that was bundled with uh, the 24th, 25th, and 26th manga volume of the series. So there's going to be a little bit more Attack on Titan. And odds are we will get those too because the uh, manga, they've actually been doing what they've been doing in Japan and releasing like the manga with the uh, specific OVA that it came with. Yeah. So hopefully they will stick with that. Great. Um, so let me jump over to some fan service. Oh, we got fan service? We do. We have one email from Scott, which uh, Scott, our wicked fan Scott from the UK. When we were discussing Silent Voice, uh, when was coming to uh, cinematic release. Which is next um, month in America. Yes, it is. Um, he was mentioning, too, that he was going to try to watch within that time. Uh, one of which being uh, Perfect Blue, which is getting a 20th anniversary UK cinematic release, which is really cool because I, had, I actually had no idea that Perfect Blue was already 20 years old. Oh, my gosh. We're um, so old now. Yeah, right. Um, and then uh, in the same respect, uh, the UK is getting a film by Masaki Yuasa, which is called uh, The Night is Short, Walk On Girl. Maybe The Night is Short. Walk on, girl. I, I was wondering that, but I, I I don't know. I couldn't really, really put it into into words and say. So say what's it, what's what it what's it about? Like, what is it about? Now, is it spelled night as an N I G H T, or is it spelled yes. with a K? Okay, because I was going to say maybe it's about a uh, <laughs> a midget knight from the Middle Ages and him trying <laughs> to win the hand of the maiden princess, but she keeps walking on because she can never see him because he's so short. So here's the synopsis of the movie. Gracefully yet violently, the girl with the black hair, Kana Hanazawa, swirls through the abstract Kyoto night as uh, night a joyful tempest. Blowing through pub crawls, festivals, and book fairs, her youthful glee infects parties of increasingly eccentric characters. But amongst the debtors, uh, existentialists, and the god of the old book market, uh, can she be convinced... Uh, coincidental quote-unquote encounters are fate and will she notice the senpai gen hoshino in pursuit of her love all right now that i see the poster for it i i know this they actually uh, posted about this in anime news network it won a few awards at uh some vancouver film festival and the person who did the character designs is the same person who does all the album cover artwork for asian kung fu generation uh-huh. And the director yeah. is uh, Masaki Yusa, who yeah. did the ping pong series, uh, Mind Game, and next year you'll be seeing him do fucking Devil Man. Yeah, so it's going to be... That, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, uh, I will, I will go see it. that. I will go yeah. see this movie. That sounds good, but we have to find out where it's coming in the U.S. because we only heard from where it's coming in the U.K. Thank you, Scott. Oh, Asian Kung Fu Generation did the theme song for this movie, so... Uh, surprise! Yeah... Oh, one at the um, Ottawa International Film Festival. It won, let's see, it won the grand prize for, for features. So it won, like, best picture. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. So it must be really good if it beat the crap out of all the live action movies that they were being shown. Mm-hmm. Which, um, actually, which reminds me, because we have listeners in the Los Angeles area, correct? This is for you. For all you L.A. listeners, on October 21st, at the Chinese Theater in Los Angeles, California, 7 p.m., 
is the U.S. premiere of Motherfuckers. Ah, so be there for that because we're all looking forward to that film. Yeah, um, they actually posted a, a, a clip of one of the people who was playing one of the characters in the English language version. And it's not him doing the voice, but he's actually like freestyling off one of the beats of one of the songs of the soundtrack, and he's really good. Oh, wow. But, yeah, Motherfuckers is premiering next month. Um, I'm trying to convince the people over there to see if they can submit it for the Boston International Film Festival in April. Yeah, that so would be awesome. So if that happens, you know, Jonathan will, of course, be the first to know. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear it from us. Yes. All right. Uh, so that's all we have for fan service. So let's move on to some shameless plugs so we can get out of here. Yes. So um, thank you for listening to this episode of Wicked Anime Podcast. If you want to join in on the conversation, please email us at wickedanimereviews at gmail.com. That's wickedanimereviews, all one word, at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash wickedanime, where we post all of our news and everything that we ever post. So articles, uh, uh, videos, and podcast episodes you'll find there, uh, even though it's been a little late recently because I've been like every every episode for the past couple of weeks has been late on the Facebook post because um, I've just been uh, out of all sorts out of whack. Uh, but you can also find uh, all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Audio Boom, iTunes, any place that you can find podcasting, you will find us there. You'll find. Uh, if uh, our stuff at nerdyshow.com slash wicked anime where you'll find our videos as well as our podcast if you want to find just our videos you can find that at youtube.com slash wicked anime reviews um we have twitter you can tweet us at yo wicked anime uh we have a tumblr that we post stuff we have a Twitch channel that we play video games sometimes. There's a new Senran Kagura coming out very soon, so we'll probably be getting together on our Twitch channel yeah. to play that. That's and, I, and I've been playing through the story mode of it as of this recording. It's pretty good. I will say that it gets a little bit too clustered when you have four other allies shooting up all the other enemy characters, so it's a little bit disappointing on that end, but it's still fun so far. Okay, good. Um, I'm sure that, I mean... In in this sense, we've always had fun playing this multiplayer anyway, so hopefully it'll bounce back when we actually get into some multiplayer action. We are a listener-supported show, so please, if you uh, want to support us and hear more episodes of the Wicked Anime Podcast or anything on the Nerdy Show Network, which I highly recommend because we have some great shows for you, um, you can go to uh, Nerdy Show's Patreon page. That's uh, patreon.com slash nerdyshow, or you can find out how to support the network in other ways by going to nerdyshow.com slash support. Um, you can give to us monetarily. Uh, one, even $1 will get you hours of content that you cannot hear. Otherwise, uh, if you do a $10 pledge, then you can join our secret Facebook group where it's called the Nerdy Show Lounge, and you can join us for monthly meetups and all that stuff. Um, if you don't want to support us monetarily then you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars and a review. We'll, we will read it on the show for you because that would be incredible. And um, 
You can also leave us a review on Podchasers, which is uh, something that the guys at the Nerd Show Network have been calling the iTunes killer, because uh, podcasts are really hard to find on iTunes themselves sometimes. But if you go to Podchaser, you can legitimately find whatever you want, and you can rate and review it right there. You can even go to the place where you can listen to it. So go to Podchasers and leave us a five-star ranking and a review to help us out, because we super appreciate it. If you can't do any of that, please just tell a friend how much you love Wicked Anime to get people to listen to us, because that will be the most number one thing that you could do of all is just get people to listen to us. Um, that's all that I have for our shameless plugs, but Evan has a case of his own. So go ahead, Evan, spit your rap. All right. So for the recent news reviews, podcast episodes and videos featuring members of the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you are a band and want to be featured on our No Borders, No Race podcast, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbastardbrigade.com. You can find me on Twitter, the J-Pop Anime and Video Games Amino pages at kingbaby.esh. Like us on Facebook.com slash Boston Bash Brigade and Facebook.com slash Land of Ash. And don't forget about all the other sites under the Land of Ash, including the Electric Sisterhood, Phil's Recap and Review, Smashstruck, and Nerd Crave. I am currently editing through the next video for the unboxing, which involves the co- action comedy box from Loot Anime and the Monster Masume Premium Edition. And I know that Jonathan... Oh, and I know that John Star will be joining me for the next one when we open up the deluxe edition of Peach Beach Splash. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wicked Anime Podcast. I hope you were thoroughly entertained and that you will decide to come back to watch us un- or see listen to us another time when we record. Uh, hopefully in the next episode we'll have seen some of these shows that we're talking about and we'll be able to tell you how awesome they are, which means that a new article will be coming up uh, as to what we recommend for you for the next season of anime. Look forward to it because uh, there seems to be a, this seems to be a very hopeful season as opposed to what was it two seasons ago or even last season where we were like really struggling to find something good to latch on to. Um, yeah, it was last season, the one that we're currently watching. Yeah. So uh, this one has some hopeful shows in it. So hopefully we will latch on to a couple things that you're going you're gonna to enjoy. So uh, come back to listen to us next time and you'll find out which ones we actually did or did not enjoy. Um, but until then, we're going to sign off the only way we know how. K-Bye! Pass me the Toblerone. With that, we are going to... Crap! Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> what happened? Forgot the news bell. We're going to ring the news bell! That was a horrible ring. I know. It's because I didn't take it out of the box and it just shook it like this. <laughs> Hang on. Hold on. You see, at least all my props here are ready. I It's all prepared, ready, so I can have my little slide whistle. And I brought something just in case you have an Into the West today. Oh. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.